Before we start, you know my guest to, to my my right, excuse me, McGarvin, or the left if you're watching on YouTube. But I want to ask you, where, where, where do we go from here? I literally, like, just, like, you got to rip the bandaid off. Where do they go from here? Like, what's next? Like, <sighs> what is next? Um, they get themselves a nice OC, um, and they flesh out that uh, that roster, that um, the, the offensive roster in particular, um, pick up a couple new tackles. Uh, get you a get you a. I think you really do need a veteran wide receiver, and then you go from there. But I think the first step to ripping off the bandaid is you just you you gut the entire offensive operation and basically start from scratch with with more experienced play callers, more experienced play designers, uh, more experienced offensive minds. Period. So when it comes to you know veteran wide receiver, I have one question for you because it's become very popular. I see that Hopkins or bust. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, New Hopkins. Um, that would be obviously a, a big get for the Patriots. Uh, and I know that after the whole Cardinals game, you know, the 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 NFL films, you know, conversations between him and Bill that that was put out, and so everyone obviously started speculating at that point. And then when Arizona came out uh, yesterday, and were, you know, were reportedly looking to deal him in the offseason, and then today he wrote his goodbye post on Instagram. It kind of, like, solidified, like, all right, he's going to be gone. And that whole no-trade clause kind of puts him in the driver's seat as far as where he wants to go, right? So either, you know, the Cardinals move him to a team that he wants to go to or he doesn't get moved at all and he gets released, at which point he will just go to a team he wants to go to anyway. So either way, Nuke Hopkins is going to end up somewhere that he wants to go. As far as nuke or bust, uh, you know, I'm not quite ready to, to say all that. Because um, there are other players, there are a few other receivers that I think um, could make sense, obviously, given the right um, the right compensation. Can I give you one in particular I think that could work? Sure, sure. T. Higgins. T. Higgins is fun. That would be, that would be a fun one. I know it sounds kind of weird. Everybody else going, oh, 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 oh. look at who Cincinnati's got to pay coming up. That Burrow contract's not going to be cheap. That Jamar nope. Chase contract's probably going to be north of close to 20 mil. Yep. Someone's going to get the short end of the stick, and I can see a potential A.J. Brown situation. Uh, another guy I look at potentially, too, is Michael Pittman Jr. I know he's wide receiver one for oh, the Colts. Colts. But, yeah. But we don't know where they're going to go because, like, I know you and I spoke after the Colts game, but that's a team where we're like, I think you kind of got to burn it down and start from scratch yeah. with the Colts. They're in a big rebuild. Um, I don't know if they know that yet or if the fan base knows it yet, but they're in a pretty big rebuild at this point. Um, I don't really – I don't think they have anything going. That offensive line just completely fell apart. Um, you can say it's injury all you want, but Quentin Nelson's not really playing well. Ryan Kelly, their center, who was supposed to be, like, really good, also hasn't played well in the games that he's played. I think they're in a they're in a pretty substantial rebuild. So that would be interesting. The one I like – the one I like um, – out of Denver, I really like uh, sorry Jerry Judy. I think he's he's one who could be moved just because they paid Tim Patrick, they paid Cortland Sutton, um, and obviously Judy's up next. KJ Hamler is also due for a new contract. I believe both were drafted in the same year, so they're both due for a contract at this point. I think really the odd man out may end up being Jerry Judy, although he had a monster end to the year, um, relatively speaking, because you know Russ is still the quarterback, so they didn't have a great great time, but. Uh, that's a player that I, I I would like to see. Obviously, the Alabama connection there is driving it there for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I, uh, my bias is kicking in, but that's one player that I'd um I'd like to see here. 
And that's the thing too. Like everyone's like right now, oh, can you go sign a free agency? If you look at the free agency list for wide receivers, the biggest name on that list is currently a Patriot. That is the biggest. It's a it's a very weak class in the free agency for when it comes to wide receivers. So my thing is, I think if you can get a Higgins or if you can get a Judy in a trade, you know, you have that little bit of that rookie control left on them. Or at least I know for Judy, I think you have two more. You're gonna get two more years, and then you get. Higgins, you have a year plus you get an extension that kicks in next year. It's better cap wise. Meanwhile, yep. with Nuke, I think if we bring in Nuke, I think Myers is gone. That's what's me because I think it's either that yeah. or a team. Yeah. Like we, what was that? Remember the thing I told you about the other day? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. There's a team out there who, look, did something really stupid a couple months ago when it came to drafting and trading for a uh, wide receiver. And that team has a lot of – the Chicago Bears have a lot of cap room. So there's, like, people saying there, yeah, like, the Bears are going to go and offer Myers, like, a Christian Kirk-like contract, which Myers is a great receiver, don't get me wrong, but – That would be I could easily – That would be – It's just that's how the NFL works. I could see a wide receiver desperate team getting that. Meanwhile, New England, they're not so much wide receiver desperate as they're – they just need that piece. It's like Buffalo two years ago. It's like Miami this past year. It's all that – like yeah. a solid foundation, they just need someone to take it to the next level. Yeah, I, uh, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I I think Michael Thomas is another one uh, from the Saints. I know that people have really soured on him over the last uh, three years because he hasn't really played very. That's much. That's a change of scenery. Um, yeah, I think I think whatever team he ends up on next is going to um, really benefit from that. So I guess we'll see. I I don't know that. I don't know that the Patriots will go out and trade for a receiver. I think they should, though. I know a lot of people are looking towards the draft and are like, oh, they should draft someone, they should draft someone. But I don't necessarily think they need a young developmental um, kind of wide receiver. I think they just kind of need someone who can play right now and can be in the right spot and get in the right spot to get, you know, to get the offense moving. Because I think that's really what they lack right now. And also, Lad McConkey is not a draft eligible, I think, until next year anyway. So just give... <laughs> If that's in time, 2024, Lat McConkey, we'll Patriot. We're putting we're putting it into the air. Or Slade Bolt or Slade Bolden signs as a undrafted free undrafted uh a free agent in the offseason. I was never big on Bolden. I, I I know he played at Bama and he had the connection with Mac, but I just I just don't see an NFL athlete when he plays. So I'm just like, eh. I do it more for like the Danny Amendola stuff. That's why I do oh, it more for. for like, I know. I, 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 yeah, I, it's more I, for I like you know. Behind. Yeah. yeah. It's the it's the whole stereotype. Patriots love their short white wide receivers. Him, yeah. Edelman, Hogan, who actually I was a really big fan of when they signed him all those years Hogan ago. Hogan was a good player. He was. He was. Um, before we get into more of the nitty gritty, I wanted to ask you personally, eight nineteen. But did you have a game this year that really stuck out to you as like your favorite game to have watched? Oh, ooh, um, damn, that is tough because. Uh, some of these games were tough to watch. Um, I really had a good time watching the um, the Vikings game, even though the Patriots lost, just because the offense. And I know that you know the the Vikings defense is not very good, um, but I thought the offense like showed a really good vertical passing game, um, and so that was just nice to see. Obviously, you got the 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 thirty five yarder to Nelson Aguilar. Hunter Henry was having a his best game, uh, his best game of the season by by far. Um, it was you know I I thought that was a good game to watch up until the the kick return and then the weird officiating on the touchdown to Hunter Henry that wasn't. Um, so that was you know and it was also one of the few games where the line like held together until the very last drive at which point they you know shit the yeah. bed. But I think that may be the one just because I can't really 
remember any other games? I mean, the Jets game where Marcus uh, Marcus Jones took the the punt return back that was that was exciting. But the first like fifty eight minutes of that game were <laughs> were abysmal. So I was like, ah, you know. The Marcus Jones game that was like watching Spider Man three, where it's like the first like couple few couple hours were just like there was no like action or anything, and yeah, then like yeah. the last twenty minutes of the movie it was like all exciting and everything like that. That was that game, literally right. fifty nine minutes of whatever, and then ten seconds of just fucking electricity. And also, I have to give a shout out to Kevin Harlan because him calling that was better than I think yeah. anyone else could have done. I mean, Kevin Harlan is my is one of my favorite play by play guys in the um, in the league. I also, I mean, I know that people have their favorites and for whatever reason Kevin Harlan doesn't come up nearly as much as he should. I think he's yeah. one of the best in the build uh best in the business. Especially when something weird happens. Whenever like there's weirdness in his games, he calls it so perfectly and I was like, yeah, I'm with it. Well uh, what, what game do you have as your favorite? Mine on a biased rate is Detroit. That's the one I got to go to this right, year. Right, right, right. It was 29 nothing. It was there. Um other ones like I, I want to say the Colts game just because that okay. was a game where you know you go out there, you play, you basically you take advantage of your situation and you go from there. Like there was all sides of the ball were clicking that day. You basically bullied Sam Ellinger for 60 minutes. <laughs> and the other one too was uh Minnesota too, except until up until pretty much the Alex Kemp call and the touchdown. That's where stuff started to go sideways. And then yeah. even though they lost and Matt got hurt, the Baltimore game was another one too. That was a Yeah, that yeah. was that was a cool game. Um just because again they had that vertical passing game, uh, Devontae Parker was just just I mean absolutely putting it on them, um, and it also it was one of those games where, like aside from like the actual football stuff, it was really interesting for me because I remember the timeline was just so so anti Parker prior to that game, and then everyone just shut up like collectively, and I was like cool that that was pretty good because it was just one of those annoying things where like. You know, it's that was what week four, right? And um, yeah, or you know, oh, what I mean, and what which game, Detroit or uh, no, um, Baltimore. That was week three. Oh, anyway, three, man, week three. Yeah, that week was a home opener. So right, so we had two games prior to that. There was the game, uh, obviously down in Miami, and then they played um, the Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't understand how people had soured on Parker so quickly in just two games because it wasn't like he did anything, you know, egregious. It was he was on the wrong end of a couple of Mac turnovers. Like what you know, he was intercepted. He was the target when Mac was intercepted, and so a lot of people were just like, "Oh yeah, Parker sucks." And I'm like, "I don't know. It's a little, little early for that." Even his last few games down the stretch, he played really well. He played really well on Sunday. Um, He had the Bailey Zappi touchdown. Um, I'm gonna do a not a complete 180. I'm gonna do a 90 degree turn. But one thing I want to say, because I know you and I have talked about this off camera and DMs, when it comes to complete games this year, because that's something we're gonna get into in a minute. The best complete game, I think, of the season, though, was the Cleveland game week six, where like yeah. all sides of the ball I clicked for 60 minutes. Agree. Yep. I don't I think they'd agree. had a complete game since. The Colts one and the Cardinals one, you can kind of say, but I think the Cardinals, you t- they took advantage of a negative situation, which I don't yeah. like when people go like, oh, you only won because Kyler got hurt. Well, yes and no. I think, hey, we still have a fighting chance even if Kyler played, yeah. but at the same time, too. It's not like Colt McCoy threw a pick six. That was the touchdown. No, that was DeAndre Hopkins not holding onto the ball properly. Yep. Um, the defense held their own too. Mac played well against Arizona because Arizona's defense isn't really anything to like be scared about. It's not like it's San Francisco right. or even LA. Um, but no, when I look at games that are complete, I look at Detroit and I look at Cleveland. Those are the two games I look at where yeah. all assets of the ball clicked for sixty minutes. Yeah, I would. Um, I would agree with that. I, I that. I mean. 
you can make an argument, I guess, for the for the uh, Baltimore game. Um, but I mean, the offense turned over a bunch, but they were moving the ball. So I guess you can, if you really want to stretch it. But I think, honestly speaking, those are the two that I'm thinking of um, as like the complete games. Other than that, like you can pick pick any loss from the schedule. Not even losses, because I mean, some of the wins were like that too. But you can pick any any game from the schedule. Just looking at it, like, yep. The offense lost in that game, or oh, the defense lost in the game. Oh, special teams threw up all over those in this one, and it was just like like that throughout the entire year. It's like this is that's when I was like, all right, cool, something has to change because this is absolutely ridiculous. Because like when I, I was do, I, I literally did this where I like looked at all eighteen out seventeen games. I was like, okay, week one that was offensive loss because our defense held Miami to thirteen points when we expected an yep. explosive Miami team. Week two, uh, Pittsburgh. I still look at that game as. If the Aguilar catch doesn't happen, I don't know if they win that game. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That was like the yeah. one play they had on offense and absolutely nothing else going. Yeah. And then week three, I think if Kyle Duggar played in that game, I think there's a chance that they win because Mark Andrews had a monster game that day. I remember that. Yep. And he was uh, – he, he mostly had Josh Bledsoe in coverage on him. Um, yeah. And it, it was a fine matchup. Just you're asking a lot because Mark Andrews is a good player. Um, it's kind of like good to go. great. Yeah. Uh, the Green yeah. Bay game, the offense, obviously, I mean, and, and that's really no fault of any coaching or anything. They just were starting Brian Hoyer and then ended up with Zappy, you know, who threw, I think, 10 passes or 15 passes. I completed 10 of them. It was just like, you know. I view that game the same way I viewed the Dallas game from last season. Remember, yeah. we're, like, as yep. soon as we turned, as soon as we turned the ball over in overtime, I'm like, we're not winning the game. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like, you yep. know, you're and- handing it over. Go on. Yeah, and so uh, I mean that was an issue in twenty twenty a few times as well. We're just like, oh, so close, so close, and I don't know. It was just it. You knew that the team just didn't have it. Like, oh, they're going to give this ball back, and they're just not going to be able to close it out because they're undisciplined, they're sloppy, and for whatever reason, they just shit the shit their pants at the very worst moments. And so that Green Bay game was just like, all right, I, I I've seen the ending of this one. I know where we're going. Exactly. And then the week five, the game that I got to experience, I know I say that a lot, but it's my first and I'll always remember it. Um, you had Detroit making simple mistakes on fourth down by being too aggressive with the football. Yep. You had the Kyle Duggar touchdown. You had the Myers touchdown. You had everything going right. And then week six, like we said, that was pretty much, I think, Hunter Henry's best game of the year, week six against Cleveland. He had the two, I think he had two touchdowns. Yep. Taek- that's a Taekwon Thornton, which I think towards the end of the season was a Taekwon Thornton coming out party, especially in the game against Miami. Yep. And then it the one thing that blew my mind still was Kendrick Bourne getting a first down on the screen this past Sunday. That that blew my mind completely. <laughs> but as we get into it after, where everyone's saying, Oh, you only missed the playoffs because you lost to Buffalo. No, we missed the playoffs because we did stuff like piss down our leg against the Chicago Bears on Monday night football. It's games like that that really cost us our season. That's where I go from least favorite games. Like when I look at least favorite games, I look at the Chicago game week seven. I look that, at that's the, Buffalo, the first Buffalo game because the first yeah. Buffalo game, Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen. He wasn't healthy, but he was still making those goofy throws. And then for obvious reasons, Vegas. I don't want to say Cincinnati because even when that comeback was happening, I was just like in the back of my head, that pessimistic voice was kind of going, they're not going to do it. Like, you yeah. know, like it was too little too late. So when I look at games that I wasn't a fan of, it was Buffalo, it was Vegas, and it was Chicago because – the fact, too, that Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown looked like pro bowlers and yeah, they didn't win a game there on out, yep, that's, that's where – it's those games that come back to hurt you. 
Absolutely. I, I think the Chicago game is uh, hands down my least favorite game of the year. I think the whole quarterback, uh, the quote unquote quarterback controversy had reached a disgusting point at that point. Um, the whole starting Mac and, and the offense not doing anything and him throwing the interception and then pulling him and, oh, the benching is and not. And then Zappy came in, he threw the wide open touchdown to, <laughs> to Jacoby Myers and everyone was just like, oh my gosh, it's happening. And then Chicago didn't blow a single coverage on the rest for the rest of the game. And, you know, Zappy looked how Zappy looked. And it was frustrating because I think that was the point at which the fan base, per my timeline anyway, kind of like yeah. splintered. And yes. everyone kind of staked their, you know, staked their, their flag in the ground. Like, I am on Team Mac or I am on Team Zappy. And as a result, I don't think the rest of the season is viewed in a fair lens, right? So people who had, who had, you know, dug in like, all right, I want Zappy, I want Zappy. Regardless of what happened the rest of the year, they were like, well, Zappy, Zappy, you saw it. Every single time yeah. the Patriots played, Zappy trended. And it was like, like, what are we, what are we talking about? Like, this is absolutely insane. You know, so I think that's my least favorite game because it just, it kind of just, uh, it made me feel like I was a fan of a bad franchise because these are the things that yeah. happen to bad teams. You know what I mean? Like bad teams have QB controversies in week six between two players who are not very good, who are not playing very well, I should say. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's where I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. Because if you're, if you're, if you're thinking, hey, they should move on from Matt Jones for someone more talented, someone, you know, better or whatever, fine. If you're telling me they should move on from Matt Jones, to stick Bailey Zappi in there, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, at best, he is worse than Mac. So I, I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? And that's that. These are the kind of conversations that we clowned the you know, the Jets for having last year, Mike White or or Zach Wilson, or or you know, we we've seen it throughout the years where these teams go back and forth on these you know quarterbacks. I don't know if you're if you've been privy to it, but people have had the same issues with Carolina where. Yeah. You know, that fan base was arguing between, you know, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. I'm like, they both suck. What are we talking about? Um, it really, this year really did remind me of how it went for San Francisco, um, really at the start of this year, where it was Trey Lance or Jimmy or Jimmy G. People, you know, staked, you know, staked their flags in one way or the other, and they were going back and forth on it. But at the very least, they started winning games, and so it kind of quelled all of that. But it was just ridiculous because I remember at the start of the year, You'd have people who were just calling Trey Lance a bus. Oh, he's definitely a bus. And then people talking about Jimmy as if he's like the worst quarterback ever. And I'm like, neither of those things are true. Why are we doing this? And so when it came to the Patriots, I'm like, we don't do this here. Like, this is not something that happens in New England. Like, what? Before we go back, before we Patriots, because since you brought him up, I want to ask you something. What happens in San Francisco if they run the table next year quarterback? Is Brock Purdy the guy or – do you go back to Lance? Do you re-bring Garoppolo back? Because obviously Garoppolo's a free agent. I, I, as soon as you said it, I'm like, okay, what happens if Brock Purdy leads them to a Super Bowl? Because in my opinion, if the offense can play mistake-free football, they're going to go to Phoenix next month. That's just what I ha – that's how I see it. That yeah. defense is good enough to where if the yeah. offense can – like, look at 2020. Remember that for everyone who likes to rag on Mac for – Doing that, remember, Raheem Mostert ran for, I think, 200 yards in that NFC Championship game three years ago. So yeah. for that, I'm just looking at that of, hey, if Brock Purdy doesn't fuck up, and if Brock Purdy plays smart football, like they're probably going to yeah. beat Seattle, and then next week they get, say if they play Tom Brady, which we know what happened last time. Right. I think that defense, that their defense is elite enough to win them football games. I completely agree. Um, as far as the question of what happens if Brock Purdy runs the table, 
I think um, you obviously bring him back to camp because he's a seventh-round pick, so he'll still be there anyway. Um, and you have, I guess, a competition. But I think in my heart of hearts, what I honestly believe is if if it's close, if you have a competition between Purdy and Lance and it's close, it doesn't matter who you start. You need a new quarterback because I, I don't believe in Purdy. So it's like if you have a competition between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy and it's close, it's time to start looking for a quarterback um, just because neither of those guys are – I don't. I just don't believe in Purdy. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, they're playing around him. And it's what's, what's, what's getting me is he's he's kind of having the same kind of games that Zappi had versus the, the Browns and the Lions where yeah. all of the, the highlight plays are all on busted coverages or wide-open guys, right? So if you watch any of the, the – any, any Lions touchdown game – Right. If you watch any of my Purdy's games, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to throw it up to George Kittle, who was completely uncovered. And it's like, all right, cool. I guess I guess he's going to catch two touchdowns a game for the next, you know, the next three games or four games, however many games they, uh, you know, they end up making through the playoffs. And it's like, cool. Well, is he really playing well or is he just throwing to open guys? And of course, throwing to open guys is not a bad thing. You don't, you, know, you obviously want to throw to the open guys as a quarterback too. But if you're looking at it from like an individual perspective of like, hey, we're trying to evaluate this player. I think busted coverages can really skew a lot of way. Uh, can you really skew perspectives one way or the other to where people are like, oh, this player is good because the team is winning or they're throwing touchdowns or scoring touchdowns. And you're like, yeah, but you kind of got to like watch the individual play. And I don't see anything special with him. But if they're on the table, you have to give him the opportunity to, I guess, win the job. But again, if you're in that situation, it's time to find a new quarterback. And for the record with Trey Lance, I, I don't really think he's got either, but you know, if if it's close, go start start scouting now. Yeah, I I also think though, if San Francisco does bad in the playoffs and say if they lose in the divisional round of the conference championship, I'm only saying that because I can't see Seattle winning. Then again, you never know. But I just I I don't. That's just that's just how yeah, I view it. Divisional games are weird. Divisional games, especially in the playoffs, are weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Even Buffalo, Miami. I know it's Skylar Thompson probably going out there, but at the same time, to any given Sunday exists for a reason. Probably won't yeah, happen, Buffalo, but you know what I mean. Buffalo hasn't had a dominant game in like two and a half months you know what I mean? like it's, they win their games but i i've not watched them and thought oh yeah this team is like a bus off in yeah quite a while and i know that yeah. alan's hurt so that's obviously playing a part in it but i i i think really the defense is something that people need to pay a little closer attention to as well i think if they have to play kansas city in the uh in the championship they're they're going so we'll see yeah. Um, and the, that's the other thing I was going to say, too, is just with the Brock Purdy thing. I think if he loses, it'll make the easy decision easier where it's like, you know what? Oh, yep. too bad. It's Trey's yep. job. But yep. I think it's harder, though, if Brock, even if I think if Brock gets to the Super Bowl, I think that's where it gets to be that tough decision. Yeah. Even if Brock gets there and loses, I just think that with the Trey Lance decision, say if they go out there Saturday and they lose. Oh, you know what? Yeah, we can go back. It's Trey's job again. You can have John Lynch saying that yep. in two weeks. That's what I think there. Um as it comes to Mac and Zappy, I'll go back to May because I remember my timeline was non-Patriot fans blowing it up, being like, the Patriots draft a quarterback, LOL. And I was like, this is literally a Jared Stidham replacement. I like, yep. I knew yep. Jared Stidham wasn't the guy. I even said, like, when Jared Stidham had his one good game, there was a lot of the Jared Stidham truthers out there that were like, Holy this is why Jared yeah. Stidham should have started in 2020. Like, I even said, like, I put out as a joke, like, um, Zappy over Stidham. And people were like, oh, why? how do you have a football podcast and everything like that? Or like, how do you not have this or this? It's just like, uh, like whatever. And then I was just like, man, I only, and then look what happened last Sunday. Jared Stidham didn't yeah. look good. It's like that one shining <laughs> yeah. moment. Like, yeah. like even that game, 
four years ago, Raiders Niners, Nick Mullins, this random kid out of nowhere, right, balled right. out, and then everyone yeah. believed in him, and now he's a backup in Minnesota. So it's just one of those right. things where Jared Sinem's a career NFL backup. So yeah. I was never on a team. I was on – actually, I was on a team. Team, whatever quarterback gives my team the best chance to win. I was sour yeah. on Mac yeah. after the Bears game, sure. But when he started against the Bears, I, I, when he started against the Jets, I was like, you know what? You do this to build your quarterback's confidence up, and you know what it's done? And people are going to look at me crazy because I know he had a bad he, – he had the three picks on Sunday. For the most part, I'd say except for the Vegas game, Mac looked pretty good from the New York Jets game yep. until the rest of the season. He looked good. He's, he has to work on his pocket presence a little bit better and be aware of when sacks are coming and stuff like that and also try to get a few extra yards on the slide. So instead of making a three and seven of fourth and two – you can make it like, uh, I don't know, a first and 10, just getting yeah. those like couple extra yards in him. That's what I want to see out of him. But I'm not going ringing the panic button like the New York Jets are doing with Zach Wilson because, look, it's like I said after the, the second Jets game that the I still believe this, even though we had a bad stretch after that too. The Jets needed the second game more than we yeah. needed to win yeah. it because for them it killed their season for us we were still alive until week 18 but for them you beat the bears and you shit the bed the rest of the way <laughs> now uh most most certainly i think really the 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 thing i've seen the most is like you have big mac supporters who are like hey it is all patricia it's not mac and then you have big time mac i guess deniers who are saying hey you know the coaching isn't great but mac also just sucks um, and the yeah. truth is really some, somewhere in the middle where He's, uh, he didn't play super well, and he started to develop some bad habits that that tend to come when a player's under pressure a lot, when a quarterback's under pressure a lot. So he, you know, obviously he'd fail a little sooner than he usually than he usually should, and he'd also worry about the rush um, a little. I mean, sometimes, obviously, he was getting hit before he had the, the, a chance to do anything with the football, and he was like, ah, you know, that that's not on him. But there were times where, you know, you could probably stand in and make a deeper throw, and he'd kind of just check it down just because he didn't want to get hit. Like, kind of understand that really though what um the reason i'm not yet to give up hope on mac is because watching some of what like just watching the the all 22 and you're just looking and you're like yeah man like are there guys open sure but there's a guy right next to him and he literally got to the top of his drop this is insane so i think the line really was i mean just absolutely abysmal and i know we we as a collective put a lot of it on you know the right tackle spot but the left tackle spot, especially the last uh, last couple games, has been atrocious. So, like, that's somewhere where I'm like, all right, cool. If they can short the offensive line and not have Mac playing under panic, then, you know, then you can get a good, clean evaluation. Because I really think at this point we don't have enough one way or the other um, to evaluate Mac Jones. And I really I really think that about all the quarterbacks, except Zach Wilson, I, I think. Do we yeah. seen enough of him? <laughs> but I don't think we have anything. And even that's also accountability as well. Yeah, right, right. I, I think his goes a little more than um, just on the field stuff. There, I think we've seen we've kind of seen enough of him. But I actually think the same thing about um, Justin Fields. I don't think we've seen enough of him to make a decision one way or the other. And Trevor Lawrence, for as well as he's playing, I also still don't think it's time to make that decision. I think, I think he is going to end up being him. I, I I'm I'm almost positive of that. But I think right now it's a little too soon. I think you want a bigger sample size with Trevor Lawrence. I think you need to see a full 17 of him being dominant and a team not sneaking in at nine and eight and winning the yep. division. I think you need to, yeah, I need to see next year double digits from Jacksonville for me to yep. believe that, you know what, this team is a legit force and up and coming in the AFC. 
Um, when it comes to Mac, it this is the year really the make or break year. That like I was that's always my thing with quarterbacks. You know what? Give them to year three. Look at Josh Allen, yep. one two. I'm not yep. saying Mac's gonna become Josh Allen year three. No, that's no. not how these things work. No. Um, two of this year, even still. Um, there's question marks, but those are more, I think, off the field with his health, which we hope for the best for him. Hopefully he could be better for next season. Um, and then with Mac, I think if he doesn't suffer the ankle injury, I don't really know how the season goes. Cause I don't think you can come out here and be like, you know what? Yeah, for sure. He wins the games against Detroit and Cleveland. I, I just, right. you, you can't go out and say that just cause that's not how the sport works. I just wanted to bring up the whole interception thing. Cause that was a real big problem of his towards the latter half of last season. And then the beginning of this season. But then the yeah. fact that he really toned it down and he only really threw the, the ones I can remember was against Arizona, which wasn't really his fault because it went right. off of him. He threw one he, against the Jets uh, in the exact same way. The uh, He got hit as, uh, you know, as he was releasing the ball and it just kind of yeah. popped up and it got picked off. Um, and then he had the three against, uh, the three against Buffalo to end, uh, to end the year there. Which for the, the I want to review the three from Buffalo because one yep. of them that Damian Harris's hands just it went off Damian Harris's yeah. hands. He, <laughs> yeah, you don't blame that on the QB. You blame that on Harris. That's probably Harris's last play as a Patriot. Look, folks, I love the guy, but he's just it's just one of those things. He just yeah, needs to change the scenery. It's like Chase Winovich. Um, the next one, the first one was you know what shades of what happened in the wild card game last year, but instead of Micah Hyde, it was Tre'Davious White making a great yeah, the play. Way he put it up to to Nelson Aguilar. Interestingly enough, that was the only route Nelson Aguilar ran the entire game. Um, he's gonna be somewhere else you next can kind year. Of why? Right, he kind of just like stopped running, like he was expecting the back shoulder fade. Um, and given like leverage, it probably shouldn't have been a back shoulder fade. But in truth, the ball shouldn't have gone there in the first place. So I, yes, I but... put that one on Matt because that's just a bad decision. Just yeah. I do put the Hunter Henry one on Mac as well because that was a bit of a high contested ball as well, where you're throwing yeah. it into coverage in a bit of a desperation situation. But yeah, but you know what they say: if it hits your hand, you got to catch it. And he was there; he, he, yeah. he should have caught it. Um, but I'm also I'm also not being super fair because I I'm kind of over Hunter Henry as a whole anyway. So I don't know. I I. I still have a feeling that if they were to trade for D-Hop, I can see Hunter Henry being a piece going back to Arizona in return because Trey McBride's cool. still developing. Yep. Um, Zach Ertz, I think there's a chance he retires, honestly. I Really? So a, what's his what, – is it the ACL for him? He tore his ACL back in November. Okay. So if we're looking at it there – but also with Arizona, next year's a write-off here because the earliest Kyler's back is probably going to be weeks – probably sometime weeks six to eight. Because he just had surgery a week ago, so he still got a lot oh, of recovery whoa. to go. Just what was the what was the holdup on the? I don't know, but he literally posted a Holy photo last cow. week that he had the surgery. So that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the, I think the main reason for trading D Hop more than firing Kingsbury or Kime is the fact that they know, hey, next year is essentially going to be a write off for the Cardinals. Yeah. Unless you find magic in a bottle somehow with whatever quarterback you want to throw out there, and you go on a run in Hollywood Brown becomes a Justin Jefferson, it's not going to happen. But see, it's very unrealistic that something like that happens for the Cardinals. Yeah. So next year is a write-off year. So I think, you know what, you send something like, I don't know, you send, we get DeAndre Hopkins, we give a pick 14, give up, say, Hunter Henry, maybe a second, this or next, and then like, I don't know, another, like a third or a fourth, maybe in 2024. Something I don't like, think you need to give up all that much for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think, yeah, I think, what's the second round pick? 46? I think you do yeah. 46. Uh, 46 guess, I think a, uh, Arizona will three. ask for the one, but I think we'll be right, starting. Because if we can keep 14 and get D-Hop, that's like 
an amazing best case scenario. 46, and then I can see Bill, you know what, then taking 14, trading down to the 20s, picking up, say, a pick in the 30s or the 40s or even the 50s as well to recoup those assets because we know Bill loves – I know the trade down memes always come around, but he loves picking – he loves trading around on days two and day three because that's where he always finds his best. Uh, but generally speaking, if the Patriots have a pick in the top 15 of the draft, they usually just make the selection um, just because yeah. you can still get pretty good value there. Um, but I I think that's a valid point that you bring up with, with regards to if they move pick 46, then they have to fill the gap between 14 and the Panthers. I really don't know. I don't know what number uh, the Panthers pick is, but that's the, the third round pick that they have. So probably in the 60s somewhere. Yeah. So you're trying to fill a, a 50 pick gap there. So I could see it happening in that scenario. I think. Generally speaking, I think they make the selection unless, you know, unless they move 46. But I really think you can do 46, a four, and then, you know, maybe like, uh, uh, you know, five or six next year. And that will probably yeah. get it done um, just because he's, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be 31. The team has no leverage, right? Because they've already yeah, made Yeah, the Cardinals have no leverage, they right. Trade him and he wants to be traded. Um, and more importantly, he has no trade clause. So he really gets to decide where he's going to go. Um, and if he decides, hey, I'm going to this team, the Cardinals really have no recourse to figure out a trade that works for them. So I yeah, don't exactly. think that it's going to be a monster haul um, for DeAndre Hopkins. I really think it's going to, you know, going to be a couple picks from this year, maybe a pick next year. Um, if you could actually make it a player trade, a player trade, and uh, you know, a second round pick or something, I, that would be that would be ideal for me anyway. If we can do Henry and 46 for Hopkins, I think that's more than fair. And also, too, keeping 14 is ideal because Paris Johnson did just glared for the draft today. I did start tackle out of uh, Ohio State. And if you're asking me, there's only three linemen that have secured jobs on this team for next year. And that's Michael Owenu, that's Cole Strange, and that's David Andrews. Agree. Um, Wynn isn't on the roster. Uh, Someone's just... going to give him a lot of money that we we can't pay him. Oh, yeah. Someone's yeah. going to give him money. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's like a Trey really, Flowers, Jamie Collins he, situation. He needs to go. Um, just like he's so frustrated being here. You can just see it in all of his uh, media appearances. He, I, I I know that he didn't like being on the right side of that uh, offensive line, you know, you know, trade changing sides, playing essentially a new position in a contract year. I'm sure that is not something he wanted to want to do, and it it also didn't work just because he didn't play very well on that side. So yeah, I think he's gone. I I think Trent Brown's the question mark because his deal is like fairly cap friendly. Um, for you the position he plays, but if the dead's not bad, you can potentially try to find a way to get out from underneath it. Yeah, absolutely. But you can also keep him um, because the money's fine. I don't know that you do, though, because he has not been very good. But then you have the question of, hey, do you want to completely restart with your tackle situation? Are you looking to add a, you know, add two new tackles as opposed to keeping one that you already have and just drafting a guy for the other one? Um, although I do, I don't, I, I've said it before, I said it in a different space, um, one of the Twitter spaces I was on yesterday. I don't actually think that the Patriots um, use pick 14 on a offensive tackle. I know that's their biggest need. I think it'll probably stay their biggest need, but I think they'll probably address it prior to, you know, prior to the draft. Patriots don't to Orlando Brown. No. Uh, <laughs> no I, I, yeah, no, I am not, um, not big on Orlando Brown. I think he bet on himself and uh, lost that bet. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of someone like Jawan Taylor, right? The the right tackle for the Jaguars. Someone like yeah. that, um, who's good, not great. Stick him in there, you'll be you'll be totally fine. I think the Patriots will bring someone in during free agency, and that'll give them flexibility. I think my gut right now, my gut's telling me that pick 14 is going to end up being a corner. 
I can see that too. I was just saying, like, you know, Paris Johnson, because there's Paris Johnson, there's Broderick Jones from Georgia, there's yep. Peter yep. uh Skorinski, I think is his name, Northwestern. There's those three guys right there that come to mind for the tackle right. position. But you know what? And Orlando Brown, by the way, that was a joke. That was not meant to be serious <laughs> because that's that's out of the Patriots pay grade. Some team that needs the offensive line help, like that's I don't know if that might be a Chicago thing to do. Right. Um and I also looked up Trent Brown. If they were to cut him, his dead cap's only one point two five. So yeah, that, that's a, that's tempting. <laughs> that see, tempting. that's not so yeah. bad to where if you have to cut it, it's not a yeah. burden. It's not that I don't know if you saw that. I think it was Matt Ryan's like thirty or forty mil from Atlanta. If they they basically had to yeah. eat, so it's not that bad because that was the Patriots' biggest thing in twenty twenty more than anything for everyone. Yeah, like, they oh, why are they bad? Their dead cap was dead horrible. Cap. Yep. Yep, from uh, um, from Brady, it was like twenty five million off of Brady alone. It was just like, all right, this is this is insane. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, because but then also one thing, just to look, I'm I do a lot of things on the fly here, so I just want to look up the quickly just the free agency class and see what you think about it. Um, so right now, if we look at players, okay, so we look the first two off this list: Nelson Aguilar gone for yep. hopefully, yep, Devin McCourty. That's probably retirement. Or he stays on a very cheap mm-hmm. one year deal. I think he's retired. I think he's retiring too. I'm just saying. I think yeah. what can happen. Uh, Jonathan Jones. I'd bring him back. Yeah, I'd yeah. bring him back. He's a good. He's a good player. Um, yeah, uh, just because you you need good corners and you can never have too many good corners. So, you know. And then see there's what the market My- is, and then go from there. Yeah, and then there's Myers, who I can see. Either go, I think Myers potentially does either go somewhere for big money or he does the David Andrews, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower, you know, where they test the market and then then they realize, then they return. Like, yeah, I I can see that. I can see that happening. Um, But the part of me is like, because the wide receiver market is so weak, part of me is just like, if he hits free agency, he's going to be gone because someone is going to open a pocketbook for him just because, like, yeah, there's really not, it's him and Juju. Like, they're the, and I guess Odell's still out there, but like as far as like the guys, it's like it's him, Juju, and Odell. And it's like, all right, these are these are who we have. I guess DJ DJ Chark is going to be a is going to be a free agent, but I don't necessarily know that he's someone that you would break the bank for. He had a good year, I guess, but and but Detroit though does need to pay. Um, I'm forgetting the first part of it from the Naruto that Jamal Williams did on Sunday night, but the Hidden Village of the Dan because um, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's got to get. Uh... He, He's got to get paid Kajikage. too. Yeah, first like <laughs> he's so good. That I, team I is also so likable. There's something yeah. about that team. That team is yeah. so likable. Despite um, having a, a quarterback who is completely boring, just like every time you talk, you're like, "Bro, why are you talking?" Exactly. Um, and then I look like the next two on this list is Win and Slater, which is gone, and I'm gonna say retired. And yep, I'm gonna say something. CBS putting. Because like I started to get a little emotional at the end of the game Sunday, and more than the season being over, which it wasn't the case, it was them showing Matthew Slater crying on the sidelines. I was like, yeah. I do not need to see that right now. That's where I was like, because yeah. that band is going to have a red jacket, and he will have a gold jacket. People, I know there was yes. that hot take when Julian Edelman retired. I will die on the hill of Matthew Slater being a can. I agree. I agree. And I know people will bring up um, Tasker, you know, the uh, the special teamer from Buffalo, and how he should be in, and he absolutely should be, absolutely. Yeah. However, I think what sets their you know, that conversation apart from Matthew Slater is Matthew Slater has the jewelry, right? I think yeah. that that matters. He has, you know, I know that uh, Tasker has more, you know, more 
accolades with regards to uh, all pros. Yeah. And, and and Pro Bowls. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, I see that. But Matthew Slater's a three-time Super Bowl. Like, that, that matters. That absolutely matters. So I think he um, I think he retires as well. And I think, you know, it's not long before he's in the gold jacket. Um, maybe bring him back as like a, you know, a, a, a special teams assistant if he is uh, into, co- into coaching. That'd be a lot of fun. Or he can do Plymouth Rock commercials like he has in the past. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not from the area, but I get the channels. I get WBZ up here, okay? So I, I know the stuff. I know I know the guys from WBZ. Um, Cody Davis, like, I, that's, a, that's a whatever. Yeah. Uh, Jabril I Peppers. He was on the team. Same. I think he's been hurt for most of the stretch. Uh, Jabril Peppers, I'm going to say yes, just because in the moments he didn't yeah. shine, he looked good. Yeah. He's one of those I, guys I where, you know what, you never heard anything bad about him. Yeah. Although he was on the wrong side of that uh, that that first kick return touchdown by Naheem Hines on in you know on Sunday, um, just when you watch it back, you're like, I think he's supposed to be the one containing because he like shoots and tries to make a play, and there's absolutely no one outside to contain. And I'm like, I think that's supposed to be you, um, but you know, whatever. I think he's I think he's a good player though. Uh, George Juan Williams. No, 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 no. He actually would have gone this year if he if he wasn't hurt. But uh, yeah. Uh, Ray I don't hate him as much as other people do. Uh, Raekwon, gotta extend him. I really, really liked what he did down the stretch there. Um, I know early on he he was benched and you know he wasn't playing super well, but down the stretch he has been playing very well. I think that's a player you can extend and feel pretty comfortable with. Do you get Ronnie Perkins finally on a football field? That's my big question because I really you I think next year we have to play Ronnie Perkins next year. Have to. I mean, yeah. At this point, it's going to be his third year, um, and he has virtually no tape you, you kind of got to get them on the field um i think the patriots are good at the edge anyway right they have uche who's around who's entering a contract entering a contract here but you know he's going to be someone who needs to be extended um you have judon obviously all very good and i think anthony jennings has played really well as well uh not necessarily uh as a pass rusher i think he played really well against the run though and you just need you the what? third rusher and it, in this case it would end up being ronnie Curtin. I know everyone likes to talk about Judon and all deservingly. So I love Matthew Judon and Uche, but Wise also had a great year this year. Yes, yes he did. Yes he did. I yeah, that was that was one of the biggest developments for me because he was like, all right, cool. I guess I'm going to just be a pass rushing force in my sixth year, and you're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> like sick, sick, love it. The only other players I see on here of note would be probably Carl Davis, if you can get him cheap. But then again, you have the position pretty much figured out. Like, I'd rather have a Quale on the roster and Barmore. Yeah. Um, with Davis, as a run stuffer, he's fine. I think, though, it's probably time to just kind of upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Just upgrade him. Um, and if you can upgrade him with a rookie, that would be ideal. And then Cardona, I would say yes. Ferenc, yep. for the backup money practice squad, I would. Yeah, I, I, he's he's not very good. Um, Break glass in case nothing, of emergency, kind of guy. And he's here all the time. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Him, like the same thing with McDermott too. Like McDermott, I was not proud of when they brought him in, but he never like really had like consistent moments of like horrendous play. Yeah, they 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 did play around him a lot. They they kind yeah. of hit him um, on that line just because he you know he is what he is, but. I think he's the kind of player you definitely bring back just because it's at, at the very worst, you know, like, I right, hey, here is the floor for this position. You know, at right tackle, the worst you're going to get is Connor McDermott. All right, cool. If that's the case, sure, you can roll with that. You can kind of scheme around it. He's not going to, you know, kill you. I mean, he's going to give up some sacks, but 
he's not going to be the reason that you're not contending in any game. So I think bringing him back, um, just they have really no depth. I mean, no one does, but they have no depth on the roster with regards to offensive linemen, right? Yeah. You have Yanni Kajus is a restricted free agent, so he'll have to, you know, he'll have to be tendered. Um, I don't think that's going to be necessarily a problem. And then behind him and Trent Brown, you don't have anyone else under contract, right? You have Andrew Stuber, who I'm kind of excited about. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see him play. Jason um, Hines, too. Him. Right. So there are some options there, but I think Connor McDermott is someone you can bring back. It's not going to cost you very much. Uh, he, he played well enough while he was here. Why not? Yeah. And then the only other one I saw in there was Harris. But then, like we say, we all agree he's probably going to be gone. Yeah. Even the way the way he sounded too was like because like when Myers was talking, Myers was like that optimistic hope of like, hey, I'd love to come back. But then Harris was the whole, you know what, it's a business and stuff like that. And I feel like when players start giving answers like that, I think they kind of can get a tell of like, I'm probably going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, And plus, I mean, he knows that he's now the backup running back. Kind of just like, all right, cool. Can I should I stay here and be a backup running back or go somewhere where you know? I think the Cardinal game was the nail in the coffin for his Patriot career. I agree. I think between, you know, Ramondre Stevenson continuing to be him uh, and then Pierre Strong having a big, you know, that big run and everyone kind of seeing his athleticism on display. And then Kevin Harris being that bulldozer down at the uh, at the goal line. I was kind of just like, all right, cool. The Patriots are going to be all right at running back. And so therefore 37 probably won't be here. Exactly. And then the other one too was Miles Bryant. But for the love of God, if they bring him back, I'm going to stab myself with a fork. And... Okay, hot take, hot take. Mm. I I think they're good. one. I think they're gonna bring him back. I think they should bring him back too. Um, I, he should not be the starting corner though. No, he, just, he shouldn't. No, be. but I think really with him, what his issue was, he gave up. He gave up plays at the worst times. But I think he got way more hate than he should have because he he was mostly solid this year. I think he played better this year than he had any at any point in his career. Um, and I think at some point they're gonna you know someone's gonna say that someone from the Patriots is gonna say that. And everyone's going to be like, what? These coaches don't know what they're doing. But in reality, he did play mostly well. It was just he got put in some impossible situations with some players that he had absolutely no business covering. So I'm like, that is tough. But in truth, he's a safety playing corner. And that's kind of what it looks like. And then what do you do with Mac Wilson? Um, I think you kind of move on to him. He, I I like his athleticism. Obviously, I, I if you watch me on with, uh, you know, uh, at the start of the year, I was big on Mac Wilson. I still am. I just don't know that he fits here. Um, especially just because at this point, Raekwon is outplaying him. Um, and I think Raekwon is probably going to be cheaper just because he has more experience. And by, by that, what I mean is this is going to be Mac Wilson's first chance to cash out, whereas yeah. Raekwon is already on you know, this will be his third deal. Um, so I'm like, mm, I think Mac Wilson is going to chase a bag as he should. Uh, he's going to yep. chase the bag, and he's going to be gone. I also think he was just a little small for what they wanted him to do, and so he ended up in some bad situations in terms of fitting the runs. That I'm just like, yeah, he's just not, just doesn't have the size. It was good. It was a good deal though, trading him for Winovich because we oh, all knew Winovich needed a change yeah. of scenery, and yep. at the same time too, Winovich wasn't really getting the job done at the position. No, no, I was, I was over him in 2020. I was like, yeah, this guy needs to go. Um, just because his inability to set the edge um, wasn't offset by his like pass rushing prowess, like he wasn't he wasn't so good a pass rusher that you kind of put up with the bad you know bad uh, run plays. It was just like yeah you you know you're not really getting it done as a pass rusher and and on top of that you you can't set an edge to save your life. I I would have made that trade again you know ten out of ten times even if Matt Wilson walks. I really just think it's a matter of like 
that that is just I just don't like Chase Winovich, man. I can tell. I can tell. Um, the only thing is I was going to ask you quickly. So if you're looking ahead to the draft, I'm not looking for players. So basically, if I were to give needs, I would probably say, I want to say receiver and tackle off the hop. But I feel like, you know what, that's where you're going to spend your money in free agency. You want experience mm-hmm. over over a rookie, even though yeah. unless if they were in, but if they're in position to draft one and they take one, I, yeah. I also think because of yeah. last year too, you may or may not. I do agree with you. I think corner or safety could be the way to go in round one. Yeah. That, that's another way to look at it. And also, too, I, I, I still remember all these ta- all these takes. I remember last year it was Cole Strange. Who's this guy? You should have taken him. You reached. It was a reach, yes, but it was worth it because Cole Strange had a really good rookie year. Yep. Um, and then two years ago, I remember I had Giants fans clowning me because they said that, oh, the only reason you drafted this guy is because you couldn't get Xavier McKinney. Well, it's like, yep. well, guess who's had the better career so far? Right. I was going to call the- I got called a homer, by the way, when I said Kyle Duggar belongs with like the best safeties in the league. I was like, okay. So on draft night, when when uh, when the Patriots took Kyle Duggar, I was also called a homer because I had done the the research on the on the safeties. I'd, I'd been watching tape or whatever, and I was back. When I still posted the cutups on on Twitter, but I remember with Kyle Duggar, you know, I was accused of being a homer because he, you know, he's he went to you know he's some D two safety. I'm like, no, no, you have to actually like watch it because he can play. And at the time, I was telling everyone like, "Hey, he can be your free safety because he has the he has the speed, and he has the range for it." Uh, and people were like, "Oh, he just reached, he just reached." And lo and behold, he is. He, you can put him anywhere. Really, you ideally want him near the box, and he is. He has been exactly who you wanted, right? He was. You know what? Oh, I'll say this: he has been so good that if they took him in, instead of trading down, if they had taken him at twenty three, it still would have been a good pick because he is that good. Yeah, even if they got Kenneth, Kenneth Murray right there at 23 where he went, that would have been a fine pick as well. Um, by the way, other players I'm looking at for uh, free agency. Uh, by the way, the New York Jets, I know everyone's saying quarterback. Uh, you got George Fant and Connor McGovern, and your offensive line wasn't that good this year. So Yeah, so they're going to have to do something that. there. Um, let's see, Cam Irving, Brandon Parker. Andre Dillard could be another option too, or even – He is going to get a very big bag. A, yeah, it's going to be astronomical. Someone's going to just pay him whatever he wants. Uh, one option that could be realistic for the Patriots could be Riley Reef potentially, because he's in Chicago right now, unless they want to re-up him from... I'm looking at options, you know, where you can get a guy that's on a bit of a bounce back that yeah. could be on the cheaper side. Yeah, I, yeah I'm yeah, i sure of it, but um, I don't know. I think you kind of swing a little, swing a little bigger on the uh, offensive lineman, just because you, you have guys who will currently are playing at the same level as Riley Reef. Um mm-hmm, so why bring true. in a new guy to play as well as your other guys or as poorly as your other guys depending on them. I'm just looking at like the guys with the T next to their name. Uh the other option I see that could potentially work would be like look, Andrew Wiley in a perfect world, but we all know he's probably gonna get a bag somewhere. Yep. Potentially. Um Caleb Mag- Caleb McGarry potentially. Oh the uh from Atlanta. Yeah, has he had a good. Has he had a good career? Because I know I, I keep remember... thinking he's the guy that Falcons fans were disappointed in on draft night, but I'm pretty sure that was Chris Chris Lindstrom. Yeah, I like uh, or was Cody Lindstrom. It was one of the Lindstrom. Uh, it was um, the kid out of Boston College. It's who they did not. Want. I think it was Chris Lindstrom. Okay. Unless yeah, you pull so, a trade for someone, I don't know the route that they're going to go because the only other name I saw in there was David Quesenberry, and I know Buffalo fans don't like him or aren't fond yeah. of him. 
Yeah, there just aren't. I mean, there aren't. There aren't enough good tackles in the league in general, right? So ideally, there there are you know there are sixty four starters in the league. I don't think there are sixty four starting caliber tackles in the league, right? I yeah. I think really the number the number is very low uh, as far as tackles go. It's probably like twenty. Beyond that, everyone's just kind of hoping you, you're sticking a guy out there and you just hope you just hope he doesn't the quarterback gets rid of it before he gets murdered. So I think guys also too like when it comes to centers, you look at those. I think Creed Humphrey kind of reset the market for a lot of like, hey, we can go and draft, but it's not always that easy. Sometimes you just have to find like the diamonds in the rough when it comes yeah. to finding the right offensive lineman. You get a guy and you just kind of hope he develops. That's how the Patriots have done it. You have uh, Michael Wendell, who's a, a sixth round pick. Yeah, they had absolutely no, you know, he wasn't so he was not supposed to be as good as he is. So it's like, all right, cool. Those are the picks you like. It's like how I remember one of the first times you came on here. Was after Godchow got his contract extension last year. Yeah, yeah. There's like guys like that that come in. That's even the other reason too why Carl Davis can go because guess what? You can yep. run run that where it's like a quale. You can have Barmore. You can have Guy, and you can have Godchow. I think that's a very good four set to where you can rotate them in for pass protect, for pass defense, and then for the for run defense. So you can run those in with the tackle as well. So that's just examples there where you know what? Hey, you bring in someone on the cheap. They come in. That's what I said a lot about a lot of the guys I didn't know for 2021. I was like, hey, they come in, they do their job. Great. Yep. That's all I got to say. All you can hope for. And also, these guys, um, they, you know, the Patriots know what they're doing with regards to, to drafting offensive linemen, right? They yes. don't often draft a guy that you're like, oh, that guy's terrible. Right? They, they mostly come in and they find, a, they find a place to play them, right? You had Brian Stork, uh, Brian Stork, Trey Jackson were taking – Went up um, fucking Super Bowl with Brian Stork. You just went out there and win it. Um, remember Shaq Mason was a fifth-round pick. He was taken, you know, right after Trey Jackson. Trey Jackson was, was supposed to be the better player, and then his knees stopped working. Uh, and then Shaq Mason developed into one of the best guards in the league. If you remember his rookie year, he was playing fullback. <laughs> that, was, that was a crazy time. And, you know, these guys just developed. The Patriots know what they're doing with regards to picking offensive linemen. I, yeah. That's just how I feel about it. So I'm not particularly worried about them finding a guy and, you know, making it happen this offseason. I think they need to and they will. That's going to be a priority, but I'm not I'm not necessarily concerned about it. So if they don't take one at 14, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry about it. Yeah. Like with me with the Patriots, I'm more worried about what they do in March than what they do in April. I'm confident yep. in what Mac Roll and his staff can do in April because I know Bill lets yep. Matt do all those decisions and he basically runs it by Bill and he says, Hey, we're gonna take this guy. And then Bill goes to Robert or goes to Kraft. I'm also glad that the conversations came out to where Bill kind of knows, hey, we have to change things up. And no, if – and that's the other thing too. If you let Matt Patricia coach the O-line, okay, have Joe Judge go work special teams. You just got to bring in guys who could work with the – I know everyone's going after Cliff or Bill O'Brien, but there's the one guy on the L.A. staff, I think Zach Robinson, former Patriots oh, right. draft pick. Yeah. If you get a name like that because uh, that like someone like that that can kind of come in, like that unexpected name to do good – it could be a good thing, but also too, um, Matt's brother, Mike is the current wide receivers coach with the New York giants. So maybe you convince him to come over if their season ends on Sunday, because I think the giants can go through some overhaul this coming off season when it comes to their staff. Yeah. I think a, a name that's not getting enough buzz, who I think is a legitimate option um, is Chad O'Shea. The he's currently the wide receiver coach for the Browns, right? He was the wide receivers coach here for, you know, three years before going to Miami and, coordinating their offense he he obviously knows the system they like to run here he knows the players they like you know I, I think that is a player that is someone that you can bring in and really really do something with without having to reinvent the wheel where with with cliff i think he's a fun name 
um, because his, his offense is so different. But I, I really don't, I don't see it with the personnel the Patriots have. I think there's a chance that he goes back to college. To be honest, I think that's the other side of it. I think he's um, not a great NFL coach. I think he's a great college coach, though. Like with regards yeah. to, you know, the concepts that he runs um, and his ability to recruit. I think, I think he'll probably end up back in college because they're gonna, you know, someone's gonna back up the the Brinks truck to him. Yeah. Um, and then there's one other name I wanted to give to you that's currently a wide receivers coach that could be a fun one. That's Wes Walker, the current wide receivers coach of the Miami Dolphins. I know he had a bit of a rough exit from New England and everything like that, but yeah. that's a name that kind of surfaced up in rumors. And I was like, that could be a pretty fun reunion. I also have a number 83 jersey sitting back in my closet <laughs> right now that I yeah, kinda, would, wouldn't mind seeing back here. It kind of floors me that he's not already an offensive coordinator for someone. I think that's um, – I, I, I really don't know how we're, how we're still – not there yet, especially given how how quickly you know Mike Rabel, you know he, his rise from like oh yeah he's just coaching linebackers he's a DC and boom head coach, whereas like well West has been around for a bit you know I, I believe he was with the Texans for a little bit um, yeah. prior to going and he went to the Forty Nine ers and now he's with the Dolphins yeah. and I'm just like no no to roll yet that that's interesting that would be a fun name um I really think the entire the entire coaching search that's going to happen under the radar um I really think it's going to be a lot of speculation on names and then they're going to bring in someone completely out of left field and we're going to be like yeah, i don't even know who that guy is that's why i don't want to get my hopes up for cliff or anything like that i will get my hopes up for d hop just because we saw it in 2020 when belichick hugged hunter henry we saw that happen and then hunter henry <laughs> became patriot so i'm just kind of yeah. putting two and two together to where i think bill if bill knows hey we need to get mac a true wide receiver one we can afford it because our cap is good this it's not 2021 good but the cap is good, good to yeah. where you can bring in deandre hopkins you know what you probably get him to restructure his contract to push it back because even remember when judon and all those other guys signed a lot of their money got pushed back to when the cap was going up to make it manageable so it's not all being paid out at once the only one i know is nelson aguilar because this was a simple two-year 15 million dollar deal but i know judon i think henry johnu and i want to say born i don't know his exact financials yeah so born um his first year was like three uh second yeah. was six and then his upcoming year is going to be seven so yeah that, they kind of you kind of backloaded kind of massage the cap there um yeah i i'm i i'm ready to hurt deandre hopkins i'm ready i'm like the more i the more i think about it the more i'm just like yeah that's gonna happen that's gonna happen it's gonna happen and i'm just ready to get my heart broken but he has, but but here the thing I learned today though on Twitter. So he can't wear number ten, obviously that number's taken. And right. I thought, hey, his college number is six. But then I forgot Nick Folk also wears six. So I think Nick Folk is gone. I uh, Quinn Norton starting gone. kicker. Um, I maybe I I don't think Folk is gone because he's cut or anything. I think he's just gone because he is old. <laughs> right? I think it might <laughs> be time to retire because the yeah. leg just doesn't have doesn't yeah. have the juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then with the puntering situation, for the love of God, if we have to see Michael Polardi again, and uh, if we have to see Mark, Michael Polardi again, I am yeah. going to uh, I don't become a Vegas fan or something. I don't know. He he yeah. was he was so bad. He was yeah. so bad. And then with the Bailey situation, I look at that as weird. But the Marcus Jones situation, I look at that as that's on you, dude. Like you missed your rehab. You were supposed to be at certain places oh, yeah, at yeah. certain time and do stuff like that. That's on Marcus Jones, where I think he has to earn Belichick's trust back. So I could see him being a little bit in the doghouse. But when you look at most of the positions for next year, you kind of like it to where, look, you have some glaring needs, but it's nothing where it's like, hey, we need to – like you're not like Vegas how to overhaul the defense. That's why when I hear the Brady rumors, I'm like, 
if he's going to go to Vegas, which I still am in the boat of he's either retiring or he sticks in Tampa. Yeah, um, if he were to go, like, it's not it's basically like how I was saying, you know, when he went to Tampa in 2020, perfect situation, they're QB away. That's not Vegas. Vegas needs right. a whole new defense. And offensively, I, that's the other thing, too. I think I think Darren Waller's gone from Vegas. I think they're going to try to trade him. Oh. Oh. I, I've seen some Raider fans talk about that just because I think they're gonna they're getting kind of over him just because of his health, but it's a decision I think they would end up regretting. Oh. I, I I I I don't run in any Vegas circles, so I didn't see that, but um, that makes a lot of sense. I can I can see them moving on from him. I see them trading him, send him to somewhere like Green Bay. You know what I mean? Like a, a team that needs a tight end. That would be that would be interesting. It'd be kind of spicy. Yeah, and they have yeah. Foster Moreau. You know what? That that could happen. Like it, it it's one of those things that I, I just didn't think about, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, I know he's a really good tight end, right? He's, he's phenomenal. But yeah. you're entering what's going to end up being a soft rebuild anyway. So maybe yeah, maybe move him and you know recoup some of those picks that you used on Devonte uh, Devonte Adams yeah. last year. And the other way I look at too with the Patriots, I don't look at it as a soft rebuild or anything. I think it's just, you know what, you're basically pulling apart an engine just to put some stuff in to make it run faster. You're not yeah. stripping it down for parts. You're not doing all this stuff. No, you're just basically putting some new parts in an older engine. And if that puppy goes, that puppy goes, and this team is in the playoffs next year. Because yeah. I think that's the they, goal. Because considering the fact the that this, this year. But that's the thing, too, though. The fact that this team was 8-9 and, and they – look, it was a lot of ugly. A lot of ugly. <laughs> you win two or three of those games. Like, that's other narrative from this year, too. And going into next year, like, if you look at their schedule already, they steal two or three of those games. Say next year if they – I don't know, if they beat Philadelphia, for example, if they beat, let's say, if you split with Buffalo even. I know that's a yeah. hard one, but, like, look, we, we swept the Jets – we split with Miami and we got swept by Buffalo. If we can steal one from Buffalo and say steal one from Philly or someone else, that's 10 and seven right there. I don't think that's too, too crazy. So I think next year I'm still going to put them in that same window where I think eight's worst case. And I would say 11 or 10 would be best case scenario. Like right now, that. as of, as of January, Jan 11, but talk to me like March 14th or March 15th. I'm probably gonna have a completely different opinion on that. Yeah, I think it'll the the biggest change is the biggest swing on that opinion in my for, for me will be whether uh, who they land as their offensive coordinator. Correct. Once they once we know that we're like, all right, cool. Then you know I can see it, but I can I, I can I can see that as well. Um, if they if they get the coaching situation wrong though, I, I think it could be a you know it might be a, a blow it all up next year uh, next next offseason kind of situation. Um, just because I, the team they have right now, um, and the way the the contract is structured, you kind of gotta start getting it right right now. Um, and you don't want to sit through two years of a rebuild. Um, yeah. Just kind of get it right, get it right this year, and you know, get you get yourself started. That's why I think this year is a real. You know what? That's why you have to go out and try to get a DeAndre Hopkins. So like, that's yeah. why. Look, I know we threw Pittman. I know we threw Higgins. I know we threw Jerry Judy around. But if you want to make these killer moves, you're going to have to do a trade. And look, it's like we saw, which, by the way, I still say that that, that digs for effectively Jefferson trade is one of the fairest trades in NFL history yeah. where each yeah. team got something good. But um, but yeah, that's the way I look at it. this year. It's you have to do your go home, go big or go home deal, because if D-Hop can make Mac look like an average NFL quarterback, 
we're set You're going forward. Yep. You're good. Yep. You are good. Um, yep. The only other thing I was going to say quickly before we go, obviously, look, we talked a lot of Patriots, but we are uh, we here, I probably yourself, I'm going to assume this too, very happy to see that DeMar Hamlin is out of hospital. Most got released. Yeah. Because like we said, I was talking about this last week, two very somber episodes I had to record. They, I say this, they weren't fun just because I was really scared. I didn't want to say the wrong words. But I had someone from Cover One Buffalo on. I had a normal guest of mine come on, and we talked about everything. And the fact that nine days later, he's no longer in hospital speaks volumes. And I'm going to say this. If they show him, like, say, for example, they show him on the Jumbotron or if some, some, like, if he could muster up and, like, be in front of the team somehow. Yeah. If he leaves them out of that tunnel, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, if if, if, if he leaves them out on Sunday against Miami, I – they're going to have all the juice the rest of the playoffs. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, yeah. Between this and then the, like, this is like that moment in the, it, it'd be that moment in the Super Bowl DVD where you're like, we don't know where to go from here. That's the thing. Cause like yeah. when, when the, when the one, cause, and also with Sunday too, when the first kickoff return happened, I said, like, this game's going to be special. And then we held our own. The only thing I'll yeah. say is, it was that what, when we went up by three, that was the real nail. Like that was the real backbreaker in the game. Yeah. And then we let the second, second one happen. Return, yep. That because if because yeah. if the second kickoff return happens and it's a tie game, I think it's a different story. I don't think it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just got it got way out of hand right after that second kickoff. Now the Patriots are on the back foot. The offense has to go back out there. They you know they had they had just felt pretty good about themselves. They're they're in the lead, and then boom, here we go. Yeah. And Josh Allen was throwing fuck you balls around the crowd to all the players, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, so I, I was, um, that was a tough game regardless. Like that was gonna, that was always gonna be a tough game. But I don't know, the officiating was was tough, and I don't often like to blame officiating. But that was that was just a, a really hard game to watch, especially the pass interference on Damian Harris in the end zone. It's like that's pass interference in like every other game in every other league. But I guess I guess we're not doing that. You know what? That's exactly what it was. I kind of like you know what? I kind of just closed my mouth and I sat at certain points where I'm like. And then it started for being both ways. The only one I was really pissed at was the Damian Harris, Matt Milano one. That was the only yeah. one I really got upset at where I was like, that's a yeah. clear flag. Besides that, for the most part, I was like, okay, they're doing one of those things where you either you keep the hanky in the pocket or you just do that there. The only thing I'll say too is um, I don't like it when announcers show their biasy, and you could definitely oh, tell that cow. with Tony Romo Sunday. Oh, he was so upset. And yeah, I, I've been, I've not been in on Romo in um, – three years uh but it's it it was so frustrating because he he was very upset with some of the calls and i'm like what are we like i i know i know how you operate right we kind of know with romo if the favorite he has you know a favorite he, kn- he knows who he wants to win or who he should win he wants the better team to win so when the better yeah. team isn't winning or he feels like something is you know going on he then just shows it and you're like dude what what like what what are you doing? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, oh, the way he called that pass interference, the, the non-call pass interference just irked the shit out of me because he said, oh, yeah, you know, face guarding has to have contact. As as he's saying that, you know, Matt Milano is just clubbing Damian Harris in the head and um, Jeff Nance is just like, hmm. and I'm like, this is awful. This is so bad. See, my childhood was growing up with Hello Friends, Jim Nance, Phil Sims, live in the yeah. booth. So that was always mine. Like, like I never heard like the Jim Nance, Tony Romo thing. That was always like just my signature one. 
Um, the only thing I'll say with announcers is this Saturday, um, Al Michaels with Tony Dungy. I like do that's not need to listen so to that. Boring. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty tough. I don't think I like uh, Al Michaels, but that the the I t- uh, got turned off Al Mike uh, Tony Dungy after the Patriots Vikings game when you can clearly tell it's like okay Tony just say you hate the Patriots. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I um I also I find his voice to be too flat for the for the color roll from yes. Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't I don't love listening to Dungy. No one does. <sighs> but you know what? You and I have all off season to talk. We'll have to do this again sometime down the road. Maybe if I if I if we see the news about like us getting D hop, I'll DM you immediately, be like, you gotta do like let's, and I'll let's jump go. right on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the, now is the point of the season where look, are we shattered about our teams being out, about our team being out? Yes. But at the same time, too, the playoffs, like just get to sit and watch football. That's yeah. All we're gonna do for the next few weeks. And a hot take I have about this coming weekend's action is Monday night. Uh, t- Dallas is gonna lose. They're gonna do it somehow. I don't know how, but is that a hot take? I, I, just, I don't. I don't it's a hot take. I, don't, I just don't believe in them right now. It's the, it's it's just me seeing that Brady six zero all time against them. That's that's the yeah. big thing behind it. Um, my other one would probably be that Minnesota does win against New York. I don't know if that's a crazy take, but I just think that for everyone, for you know, everyone likes to rag on Cousins. Man, the Giants haven't been good since the uh, end of November. Their only wins were against the Commanders and the Colts. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I can see them winning that. I I think it's weird that they're um, they're not favored, right? So Minnesota's favored in that game, yet every yeah. pundit is picking you know New York. And I, to that, I just ask, based on what? <laughs> like, based on what? I don't know. My my safe bet for that would probably be over in points just because both defenses can kind of let up a lot. That can easily yeah. be like a 27 to 24 kind of football game. I think last time yeah. was like a similar score, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 27, 24, actually, because they won on that crazy field goal. But for yeah. them, basically, that game's going to be whichever quarterback screws up the less. That's literally yep. what that game's going to be about. Yep. 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 Yeah. Uh, and I think that I trust Kirk Cousins to screw up less than I trust Daniel Jones. Let me come on. Who next year we get to see play live in MetLife Stadium? Because that's the thing, we get to go to MetLife twice next year. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good yeah. time. Which the last time we played the Giants there, I always th- I always think of that game because I know Giants fans hate this. But Landon Collins had the game winning pick in his hands, and he literally dropped it on his back, and then Gostowski kicked like a fifty three yard field goal to win the game I, or something like that. That game was absolutely hype. That was the uh, the game where Malcolm Butler broke up the pass to Odell in the end zone. And I was like, no, that was clearly a touchdown. I don't know how they ruled that otherwise, but that was a that was a great game. And then the game winning, obviously, the game winning touchdown is always exciting. I remember I was sweating I during that game. My wife, I body slammed my wife that day because we were resting on my bed, and it happened. And I just like lifted her, and I was like, I can't believe this. This is insane. That was a, a good time. <laughs> good memories there. <laughs> oh, we love it. As long as she was okay. As long as she was good. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was anyway, more than me. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Episode 205, that's in the books. Enjoy the playoff football this weekend. Tomorrow night, you're probably going to hate to hear this, but I have myself moderating a Bills versus Dolphins conversation, which should be a lot of fun to listen to. I know. Okay. <laughs> I, have to, I, I know. But they kind of got at me being like, man, we got to like try to talk and get something going. And I'm like, okay, if it works, for v- if it gets views on YouTube, if it gets listens on the podcast, find us anywhere, folks. Apple, Spotify, PodTrack, Megaphone. You name it, we're on there, and YouTube as well. Watch the stream, do all that stuff. Thank you for stopping by, guys. 205 in the books. Like I said, 
I'm already on the road to 300, and it's the off season, so only one place to go from here, and that is up. Have a good night, everybody. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.